All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Here's Johnny. Vanity. Definitely my favorite set. <laughs> I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. The power of Christ compels you. This is my boomstick. What's your favorite scary movie? What's up, horror heads, and welcome to Shiver, a horror movie podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Daniel DeBona. And I'm David Uyoa. And we are joined by a first-time guest, but uh, one of one of our top listeners, from what I can tell, uh, always has some nice things to say about the show. We are joined by Tyler Nafe. Tyler, how are you, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. I appreciate yeah, you. Welcome. Well, yeah, thanks man. for having us on, on your show. That was an awful lot of fun. Well, yes. we hope to have you again. We hope you guys venture back into the town of Ravenswood Bluff. Uh, yeah, they're alluding to them playing Blood on the Clock Tower, yeah. a social deduction game that we play on our channel off meta, So, which will air tomorrow. Yeah, ah, there so, we go. Very, yeah. very, very excited to get that one out there and let everybody see. So, Tyler, it's your first time on, and I'm not going to try to ambush you too much, but whenever we, whenever we have somebody on for the first time, we always like to ask just the question, where did your, where did your, uh, your affinity, your love for horror start? Like when you go back to the beginning, what's one of the first ones you can remember just being like, yeah, this is for me? So I grew up in like a certified haunted house back in the seventies, the house cool. I lived in, in Queen city Avenue, uh, Daniel will know where that yep. is roundabout, um, was, was investigated by the, when they, when the colleges had parapsychology departments, I don't know if that's, that's not a thing anymore, but it used to be a thing. Uh, and in the seventies, like the UNC parapsychology team came and investigated this house we lived in. We weren't th living there, obviously, at the time, that before my time there. <laughs> uh, but they kind of certified it as like, this is verifiably haunted. Bunch of weird stuff happened there while we lived there until we moved away, moved up to North Alabama. But I think that has always kind of like prompted my uh, love of supernatural, paranormal horror stuff. I think the first movie that stuck with me and like haunted me for years was uh, the, the It miniseries yeah right um and we also watched like a lot of poltergeist and stuff but i don't remember that scaring me nearly as much as like tim curry as pennywise was just that was horrific for me and when they when they did the the new it's i i remember seeing like the scars guard makeup looks really good i mean like he looks cool and funky but he will never scare me as much as tim curry just in that that Agreed. grease paint yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, and it, it's a time and place one too, right? Like you're watching that one when you're younger, so it just like when you're seeing it through the eyes of you know eight, nine years old, it's just it, you're never going to be able to recreate that. Uh, so funny story about Tyler for our listeners. Um, so Tyler and I have known each other for a little while. Tyler, an amazing musician, um, and uh, was in a band called the Wolves of Chernobyl that I saw play and I got to know him. Um, we like the greatest band name of all time. <laughs> Thank you. It's like there's, there's Metallica, there's the Rolling Stones and then the Wolves of Chernobyl. And this, uh, I had a, I had a music teacher in college. He didn't realize this was me, but he, um, he was just going off on Twitter one day about local band names. And he was talking about how local bands now have such pretentious names. Uh, <laughs> and he, he mentioned us 
He was like, might as oh, well nice. be the yeah. queefs of Montgomery. And I was like, motherfucker, you're a classical <laughs> guitar teacher. Ain't nothing more pretentious than playing green sleeves to a bunch of college kids. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, and tell me that, you know, there haven't been pretentious bad names before that. You know, like fucking uh, Dire Straits. <laughs> I would say we weren't pretentious because, like, we were nerdy. Like, we're very earnest about our – it was a post-apocalyptic – folk band yeah they right? would do so, they would perform in costume and everything yeah. it was great we were Tyler, super preaching, nerdy preaching to the choir man because this is this is my mo all right i yeah. say listen i'm just a fucking loser i'm a nerd and 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 i'm gonna say things uh because i i have passion and then i get hit back with well why do you think you're better than me <laughs> <laughs> like i don't think i'm better than you i am clearly not uh but there's a, I guess, a pretension in that. And so, supposedly, uh, we've inherited the earth, though, David. Right? The geeks have taken right. over. Yeah, that's, that's that's what I hear. I'm waiting for it to to happen. But uh, and so, <laughs> so Tyler ran across Shiver while looking up just any podcast about the movie Oculus. Right. That's right. That's right. And so, and ran across, listened to the episode, liked it, started listening to a couple others, and heard me talking about Waffle Houses in Alabama. And was like, man, this guy's from Alabama. I should see who it is. And lo and behold, it was me and uh, contacted me. And, and now here we are. We've both been on each other's shows. And we are. Um, and while we were talking, you were like, man, I'm, I'm really I mean, I'm in this big like Eldridge cosmic horror phase right now. And I was like, oh, well, dude. you should be. Yeah. I was like, man, that's incredible. We've got In the Mouth of Madness coming up soon, and that's what we're going to be doing today. We are going to be wrapping up our John Carpenter Apocalypse Trilogy with what is the the wildest um maybe is the right active uh, movie of the three with in the mouth of madness starring the incomparable sam neill and so as we get started kind of talking about the movie what we're going to call the epilogue here i mean this movie is it's lovecraftian we talk all the time about when you're so good at something that your name becomes the adjective that people use to describe things like it it's it's lovecraftian but it's definitely Carpenter. And so I'm going to start with you, Tyler. When we look at this one, like, I mean, does does it work on its own? Does it feel like part of the whole? Like, how does this movie work for you? So when I watched it for the first time, which was probably in 96, somewhere around that, right? Um, all I knew, I had read a lot of Lovecraft fiction, these little short story collections, novella collections and stuff. And I knew, or I wasn't finding any movies that spoke to that type of, Horror, right? right i wasn't seeing anything like that out there and so when my brother showed me in the mouth of madness i was just like this is even though it's not an adaptation of any of that it is like it is right. it speaks directly to those to that milieu and i wasn't using terms like milieu at the time because i was whatever 13 <laughs> but if you know it really but a is pretentious 13 oh shit hell <laughs> yeah what milieu was hell yeah <laughs> uh, I used I said Roll Tide a lot less when I was 13 than I do now. <laughs> but the you know so that whole that whole genre um, was something that I guess spoke to me even then because I was like man I want more of this and there wasn't there wasn't yeah. more of that to find really uh, anything else that was out there was kind of schlocky or bad and and I think that's what this movie does so well is it it is absurd like in some ways it's like that's crazy. Um, yeah. but it, it threads that needle to where you go like, but I'm, I'm here for that reality, you know, as uh, unlike John Trent, who keeps saying, this is not reality. I'm like, yeah, I'm here. I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> no, this uh, is reality. I, 
yeah. this is reality, right? Yeah. Uh, I think it does work on its own. Um, and I think the, you know, I, I'm not as big a carpenter aficionado, aficionado. Like I've seen Halloween and the Halloweens and uh, I've seen the thing. Uh, I haven't seen Prince of Darkness, so I need to close that loop on this trilogy. Um, but so this one was like, uh, I, I don't know if I spotted as much Carpenter stuff as you guys might, but I I saw, I see all the Lovecraft and another figure that I'll talk about in a little while that's not Lovecraft, but definitely is in that kind of eldritch cosmic horror uh, writing space. Awesome. Dave? Um, so I, in, um, it's probably about middle school, uh, got really into uh pulp little literature um guys like robert e howard guys like hp lovecraft and you're confused um, as to why people say you're pretentious <laughs> i mean when i, I was this... 12 i got really into pulp literature <laughs> um i mean I, I call it literature because i i guess it is but it's it, it's it's just pulp writing right. you know it's 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 the written form of indiana jones is what this stuff is you know and uh and so i got turned on to lovecraft early so like you tyler when i saw this I immediately thought this is Lovecraft without being Lovecraft. Uh, it's kind of the same way that I felt um, when as, as a, as a Robert E. Howard fan, a fan of Conan, the barbarian, the first time that I saw uh, fire and ice, the animated movie, um, I was like, this is Conan, the barbarian done better than the Schwarzenegger movie. Like what's going on here? Right. You know? So I, I find as a fan of literature, Sometimes you find these inspirations in places and you're like, this is what I have because there is no other. Right. Uh, it's like the first time that I saw the trailer for Overlord. We talked about this oh, yeah. when we did Overlord. I was like, this is fucking Wolfenstein. Yes, we finally got Wolf. <laughs> and it's not, but it is. So it, for me to get to experience Lovecraft in this way, because, yeah, I mean, we've got Reanimator and I love Reanimator. But reanimator is a very specific kind of lovecraft that isn't all of lovecraft right most of lovecraft is this like you don't matter you're insignificant go crazy don't go crazy doesn't fucking matter because the old ones are coming and so you better prepare for them because they want to be comfy when they get here and sit on you and kill you and that's what this movie gets at better than any other movie I think ever, this captures that Lovecraftian horror, that sense that I am a speck on a speck in space. Like that's insane. That that idea drives people insane. Yes. And 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 that's what we see happen with Trent from start to end. And I I love it. And I think that it works on its own as a as a like a in a vacuum. This movie is fantastic. Whether you're looking at it as as a work of metafiction, whether you're looking at it as a work of horror, as a work of science fiction, of fantasy, it doesn't matter. It works. It also works as a Lovecraftian horror film, but also, I think, as an entry in the Apocalypse trilogy, this is a like a, the the piece de resistance. This is chef's kiss. You've put the cherry on the top of the sundae, and now you've presented it. Um, I don't even need sprinkles. Right. Yeah. My, what's funny is hearing both of you guys say this – 
I had the the opposite kind of interaction with this movie. I, I saw this movie. Uh, I've only seen it once before I watched it last night. I saw it about twenty years ago, and this was my my gateway into the world of Lovecraft. Mm. Because when it was over, I was I was, I was like, what the, what the hell is that? <laughs> like there there's 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 gotta be. Oh, oh, something like there, he didn't just make this up, right? Like this isn't just, I've seen John Carpenter do a lot of things, but this, there's obviously a deep mythos here mm -hmm. that he's pulling from and uh, started reading about it. And that's I, like, I'd heard the name HP Lovecraft uh, because yeah, I'm an alien fan. And so <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. So, uh, so that I just kind of always associated it with that. And, um, and that was my view of cosmic horror. Um, I, you know, completely wrong. I, I, re I realized afterwards that that, 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 that wasn't cosmic horror. That's just, you know, sci-fi horror. Right. Um, but, and so I kind of, and so, so that is when I started reading Lovecraft and, and I started finding these things and, um, much later in life, I researched Lovecraft, which, you know, we, we let's not go there. Yeah. We, we don't have um, to go there. Look, <laughs> disclaimer. Okay. No, we will have to go there. Cause we always yeah, go there. We always right? go there. Disclaimer, Lovecraft piece of human garbage. Right. All right absolute fucking racist we don't condone racism uh or racists and um like we've discussed before we believe you can separate art from the artist and uh his writing is brilliant right and so right. it's uh, made easier in his case because he will never earn a penny from anybody right. who enjoys anything that he yeah. uh, ever wrote so uh as long as you don't accept some of the some of the ideas about um, what mongrelization or however yes. you put it, mm -hmm. right? Then you you're gonna be a be yeah. fine. And so 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 I ended up getting into that, and then then I sort of had the same experience as y'all, where I was like, man, I want more of this, and it was like there there is no more. Like this is you know th this is it when it comes to movies. Like you, this is the one, and I, I don't know why it took me so long to get back to it. But what was really cool last night, and when I was telling Dave, I was like, it's been probably 20 years. He was like, it might as well be your first time. And yeah, it might as well have been, right? I remembered bits and pieces. You know, also, you know, full disclaimer, 20 years ago was the beginning of college. So that's all just bits and pieces, that's right? That's a blur. Like, yeah. you know, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, all, that's all just one, one giant painting that's, that's run together. But uh, so it was watching it last night. It felt like the first time. It was my first time watching it through analytical eyes. Uh, and this movie, man, just like you said, looking at it as a standalone, there's there's so many things in this movie that are so ungodly terrifying. Mm -hmm. There are so many things that are just that are that are just scary, like they, they like keep you awake at night, not even necessarily because you're scared, but because you can't turn your brain off. This is the this is the type of horror that, like Dave said, I, I'm a I'm a speck on a speck. I don't know what's out there. Nobody knows what's out there, right? We've got we got a couple of probes in space that we're celebrating when they get so far out. But by the time that information's getting back, that shit's all old news. You know, none none of that is 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 relevant information to the 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 current time. And so, and then there's hundreds of years before it reaches any other star system. Correct. Like just. Let that sink in, man. Yeah. All right. It's taken years for it to get past fucking Pluto, right? You ever Pluto. you ever read NASA briefings on DMT? Um, so, <laughs> and uh, and so it it's it's great like that. And it's so standalone. I, I think this is absolutely spectacular. As part of the trilogy, face value, 
just straight up and down when you're watching you have no idea what you're getting into i think this is the scariest one at least in the in the jump scare and just pure in your face ramped up non-stop you know we we talked a lot about all the tension that was located in prince of darkness this one the, the, the tension hardly ever builds well, it's always building, but you're you're constantly being faced with so much. Like mm-hmm. you're 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 thinking about a lot of different things. You're not just focusing on on the one thing. And and it's there's there's a lot more jump scares in this one. There's and and I think it fits in real well. And I think that this is, I mean, this is the cleanup hitter of the trilogy, right? right. This one comes in and swings for the fences. And 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 I mean, he laid it all out there. It was just every idea he had left was was just packed into this one the 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 beauty of the thing in prince of darkness were were how tight they were and and, and what they did this one is just handfuls of paint thrown at the canvas and and as they all mix together you end up with something bizarrely beautiful that no one is I, i i no one is sure how it was created you're you're standing back and you're you're getting way back from it to see if it makes sense you're getting right up next to it and you're trying to find all the intricacies but parts of this movie feel accidental, which is which is bizarre and so uncarpenter like, right? And and perhaps that's part of the genius. We we we've talked about this idea that we're so lucky that John Carpenter's so good at what he does. And we are absurdly lucky that that he painted this and that it makes sense for 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 as much as it as is in this. And as, as impossible, it would, you know, every once in a while a horror movie comes out and it goes, whatever you do, don't tell anybody the ending. Yeah, tell everybody you want the ending to this movie. It's not going to make any sense right. without the first hour and 20 minutes. It starts with the ending. Though. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's, you're, not, you're not really, you're not really giving much away. <laughs> and uh, so, which is it, also very Lovecraftian. Yes. And not very Carpenter at all. And so it's just, it's so crazy. It's so bizarre, but man, yes, I think, I think that as part of the trilogy, I think that as as a standalone movie, I think this this movie took some really big swings, and I think it made a lot of really big hits. I was I'm super impressed. Uh, I am so glad to hear that, um, and we'll talk about why in a little bit. Uh, so I I just want to get right into this, and um, we had the distinct pleasure of having Debona name our um our categories this time i i usually do and i had very little time today and so i just sent a very generic list to debona and i was like eh, here you go and uh and he worked his art and so um for what we're gonna call torn from reality we've got a um a story that dives headfirst into reality bending lovecraft horror right um it's definitely on that cosmic scale but that doesn't necessarily make it good right and um i i i kind of played my hand a couple episodes ago and i said that um i pray at the altar of john carpenter and i love every entry here so we all know how i feel um but how does it make you feel tyler this story does it work for you does it scare you does it interest you um i mean you wanted to be on the episode so i'm assuming you like it so the the thing it makes me think about the most is there's this um old story from the late 19th century called the king in yellow or it's like an anthology of different stories from robert chambers i think this guy's name 
And the idea is, is the through line through all of these stories is that there's a play called The King in Yellow. And if you read it to the second act, you will go just beyond crazy. It'll you'll make you lose your mind because of the truths that are in the play. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the first act is very banal. The second act is full of such terrible truths um, that you'll lose your mind. Excellent. Right. And so it has that going on. But, you know, it's interesting about it is watching it now. It um, it feels very timeless because there's a lot of things that I think about now, like or that come up like uh, mathematicians think we're most likely living in a simulation. Right. Or whatever. If you, People might not believe that. That's fine. I don't necessarily believe it either. I'm just saying that that's the thing that people talk about. Uh, there is it, it was interesting to see that sense of if you were one of my kids when we were driving to school, very random question. He goes, what would you what would you do if you realized the world was a simulation or if it was proved to you? And I was like, I would probably just go about doing my thing. You know what I mean? Because It's like this is what I got. This is what I right. got handed, you know? Um so I think there's there's a sense of like that as we kind of look at what it does in terms of saying um, you can be written in, you can be written out, your life is predetermined. I think those have the idea of, of predetermination is very scary for a lot of people. It's I mean it's scary for me, right? Uh, and I'm not a religious person, but there are people that are very fanatically religious that believe that everything's plotted out for them already right and so all of these types of things kind of work together like like uh daniel's talking about it's like a weird stew that you go well that, why does that match with that why does that go together i don't know but it did and all of these types of fears pull at you the sense of there's somebody else that is writing the story but they're being dictated to by a force that you can't see and what does that thing want I don't know, to change you, to turn you? Will there be, it, like, so the apocalypse here, as I understand it, I mean, we obviously don't see what happens um, after the movie ends, the credits roll that he's watching, but he's watching, John Trent is, a film of the thing that he just experienced. Right. Right, so he's, like, he has come to find that he was just putting on an act for someone else, and then the people around him that enjoyed this or read the stuff, they were not all, they were mutated into other things. And so another species has inherited the earth. That's what Sutter Kane has rendered. I mean, I think all of that is just like, would you accept the new reality if you were one of the people who's like, I don't read and I don't watch movies and I don't listen to audiobooks? I guess the audiobook would probably drive you crazy too. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think that's that's very, very scary to me. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing I, I, I love about this story is the fact that a huge plot point in the entire story is that Trent never knows what's going on. But we're not given the view of the omnipotent viewer to mm -hmm. know what is going on. We are We are experiencing this movie with John Trent, that, that we come to find out is also a movie in the movie. Uh, we are, we're, we're living it. So every time something happens and he's like, Oh my God, that's so crazy. We're sitting there watching go, Oh my God, that's so crazy. Like right. we, we don't get any prelude to anything unless he gets it. They do a very good job of keeping the perspective on this movie real tight. We, there are blinders on through, through every bit of this movie, you know, really one of the only times 
that we see something happen without him is the first time that uh, that Styles goes into the church by herself. And then that kind of wraps up real fast. And then we get her explaining what happened to him or what happened to her. She explains it to Trent. That's the only time we're given any piece of information that he's not directly processing at the moment too. You know, he's, he's, he figures out while we're figuring out that if you cut up the covers of the book, it makes a map of New Hampshire and, and you can find this place for real. And, and then we're, we're finding out that these, while he's hearing that these other people don't exist, Charlton Heston is telling him you know, that, that, that styles never existed still. It's, it's always just, I mean, he's not even like young in this. Right. But still it's like, man, look at young Charlton Heston. Um, right. <laughs> he can uh, that ass. Yeah, really good. Um, and this and, is post, you know, from my cold dead hands. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, the public perception of him had already started to decline and, yeah. uh, and and he was still a stone cold fox. He, yeah, it really was. And Sam Neill <laughs> said he was very he was very sweet. Uh, everything but the gun thing, and they didn't talk about the gun thing. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so you're just you're. This is a movie where you're just absolutely along for the ride. But also, there's never there's never a time where any exposition is just dumped on you, hmm. which which is great because again. You're one of the things this movie starts with seeing that Sam Neill has lost his mind and he's being committed. We don't know exactly why he's being committed. We or just has see he, he lost his mind. Right. Or has he lost his mind? Correct. Um, we, we come Sorry to find about out the balls. He did, he did. He did murder somebody. Yes. It was a lucky shot. <laughs> um, I got an orderly with two, with two testicles, the size of grapefruits that would beg to differ. Um, that lucky man. <laughs> and so you've got just so much happening here that when you sit back, does it make sense? Hell, I don't know. I don't know if any of it makes sense. But does it need to make sense? No, because we're immediately presented with this idea of the fact that, that Sutter Kane's writing is not for the weak-minded. And if, if that Sutter Kane's uh, writing can influence people and cause them, I mean, they said like insomnia and all sorts of stuff can be caused by his writing. And so we, you, you don't have to get it. It doesn't have to make sense to you. Why? Because it makes sense to Sutter Kane. And when this is all said and done, this is what the old ones told him to put down. This is what they told him to write into reality. It doesn't need to make sense because that's just, that's what's going to happen. And I mean, how often do you, do you look at things that happen in the real world and go, I can't make any sense of this. Well, all the damn time. Mm -hmm. Right. So to see it play out like that was so weird and so wild. And I mean, it's just so much happens. It, I was just, I, I was amazed at how incoherent this story was. And yet at the end, how satisfied I was with what was presented to me on the screen. Uh, before I comment, um, secret tunnel streaming, the entire streaming interesting yeah. here uh posted a, a quote from this is i think from prince, this of, is darkness. prince of darkness right quote. you will not be saved by the holy ghost you will not be saved by the god plutonium in fact you will not be saved which is i think one of the best lines in that movie uh and then came in and said such a great movie uh so this was from a couple minutes ago so um probably while we were doing a prince of darkness talk yeah uh, but we always like to uh to bring our comments up our uh, our listener comments up here so uh so and he can go check out the 
the pod on uh, on stream on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on Spotify. We're on Google Casts. We're we're on Apple. Yeah, go Maybe check that us out. last we're, FM feed got fixed. We're we're at shit. We're at Shiver Pod. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, call, call your local radio stations too. Just tell them, hey, can you can you put on Shiver? I mean, eventually, if people request it, they got to do it. Speaking right? of the '90s, you're just gonna call yeah. radio DJs. Serious? People still yeah. listen to Serious? Yeah. Hey, Mister DJ, can you please uh, can you please spin these tunes here? Um, I I love everything about this movie, uh, but for me, I think one of one of the best things about this movie is how much of an absolute throwback it is, uh, which that is a very John Carpenter thing because John Carpenter is a fan of the classics. This in many ways is no different than a film noir that would have been put out in the 1930s or the 1940s. Um, you've got a guy who falls into some mystery that he is more or less unrelated to Right. And he's like, oh, well, now I got to see this through to the end. And the incredible like twists and turns that he goes through don't make any sense. And that's not the point of the movie. Right. Because the point of the movie is the journey. It's not a twist ending. It's not a reveal here or a reveal there. You're just along for the ride. Maybe the and... real cosmic horror is the friends we made along the way. <laughs> Stuck to the back of my head. Yeah. Gooey mouths. <laughs> It's uh, it's the climb, it's the climb, uh, up up the uh, the 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 oh man, what was the name of the church? It was black. Um, oh, the Byzantine church. The black, yeah, but he didn't say Byzantine because he's he saying Byzantine. 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 There it is. Yeah, there should be a black Byzantine church here. You didn't do it closely <laughs> enough. Um, I I love that it didn't matter that nothing mattered because he ended up right where he was at the beginning. And it's very easy, especially upon your first watching for a movie like this to make you forget about that opening scene. Right. Because I remember what it was like the first time I saw this. And I remember what it was like when they finally end up in Hobbs end. I had no idea anything else was going on. I was sitting in that car with Trenton styles and I was just in the moment. I was experiencing everything that's going on. Is that a fucking dog? That's the only living thing here. Oh, look, it's the fucking children of the corn. And now everything's <laughs> fucking happening. And, 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 and you're just like sitting there with both a mental hard on and a physical hard on because you have no idea what the fuck's going on, but you know, you like it. Right. And, and that's, that's, I think the perfect way to think about this movie. I don't know what's going on. But I like it. And then when you really start to think about this movie is when the cosmic scale of it starts to really sit in. Was uh, was this guy really being spoken to by the old ones? Right. And are, are these the same ancient ones from Lovecraft's writing or is it some new old ones? Whatever. Right. Was he? Because, like, I'm pretty sure some dude in New York once said a dog told him to kill people. He did. But did it? <laughs> right? And, and, and that's the thing. Like, is, is Sutter Kane the chosen one? Is he a prophet? Or is he just fucking nuts? And does it matter? Because in the end, nothing that happened in this movie 
matters. Right. In the same way where, and, and again, this is one of the things I love about Lovecraft's writing is that it reminds us that we don't matter. We're so insignificant. And that's, that's, that's something that can really drive people insane when you start thinking about like how little I matter. So if I matter that little, I mean, you can either accept that information and say, well, then what's the point? Or accept that information and say, well, let me matter as much as I possibly can to make a little bit of a difference. I don't know about you, Daniel, but that's why that's why I teach. Yeah. You know, that's uh, that's why I, um, you know, I, I father children. Uh, that's that's why I, I try to do something, some good in my community. That's why I try to to do things, because me as one person, no, I don't matter. But a legacy that you can leave. Well, that's something. And guess who left a fucking legacy? Sutter Kane did. Yeah. And 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 that is the kind of thing where like someone asks Trent, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it's Styles. Like, do you like what you do? He's like, yeah, but he doesn't fucking do anything. <laughs> right. What's he, his he legacy? finds cons, right? That's all. That's all he does. His life doesn't matter until someone who made their life matter made him matter. When yeah. when his agent comes in and looks at him and he's got the two fucking pupils and he's like, do you read Sutter Kane? His life fucking blew up. You know, that's that's the kind of thing. And, and, and real life is like that sometimes where you have accomplished nothing until one person comes into your life and says, hey, are you ready to hear about our Lord and Savior Cthulhu? <laughs> and you say, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Please sit down and tell me about this Cthulhu. How do you pronounce it? Right. Um, that's the kind of thing that is terrifying to me. Daniel and I once spoke about like what kind of movies really speak to us on a personal level. And um, I told him that my greatest fear is a totally irrational fear. It's a it's it's a it's a it, it's impossible. Or at least I, I hope it is which is that one day I wake up and my entire life has not been lived. That everything that I love and everything that I hold dear is gone. And that's one of the reasons why Hereditary, we were talking about Ari Aster, uh, why Hereditary speaks to me so much. Because Hereditary is about all the stuff that you love and you hold dear. What if it's not what you thought it was? And that's what this movie does. What if you don't matter until someone says you matter? What I, what do you what do you do with that information? Do you go fucking nuts and kick some guy in the nuts and apologize because you're a nice guy? Or like do you do something with that? Do you take incredible burdensome knowledge and say, let me open your eyes? I then Next told him game. mine is spiders, so maybe we should do the movie <laughs> arachnophobia <laughs> someday. <laughs> I, I think I think what you're touching on, David, is this is like a grotesque meditation right it's mm -hmm. more than a linear plot uh because like you said it's an it's something that you're kind of experiencing uh the he the protagonist is not on a hero's journey that's i think what separates and i think it's interesting that he chose or uh sutter kane writes these pulp characters these pulp mm -hmm. stock characters into the story that then because he says at one point he created john trent mm -hmm. um 
which I don't know if that's true or not, but he's so charismatic and, and we don't see anything to the contrary. And John seems to be like, maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Fuck, right. I don't know. And, and um, we don't know anything of him having a history before he was attacked by that agent in the coffee shop. Or we, right. we know we know the one scene or before we see him breaking at the guy who ran the warehouse scam. But and here's and the, the only other person to have a prior thing. relation. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell go ahead. You go ahead. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. Um, the That introduction is a very literary introduction. When we meet him, like that's exactly how a book would open up. Mm -hmm. So when you hear him say that, like this is the really amazing thing about how this movie's written is that when he, when the character Sutter Kane says that, what my brain starts processing is, holy fuck, Sutter Kane is real. And Sutter Kane invented this guy so he can be in this movie that I'm watching. Right. And your brain starts going through all this crazy stuff which can't possibly be real. But in the moment, because you are experiencing it with John Trent's eyes, right? If this were a book, it would be written in first-person perspective. Like, that, you are Trent. You're meant to be Trent. And, and that, that's, that's one of those, like, aha moments where it's like, oh, fuck. Am I? I don't know. I didn't exist before the movie started, so maybe. Yeah. There I, is I, a little bit of like him trying to, if he's a character, right? If if John Trent is a created thing of Sutter Kane, there is a little bit of him trying to get off the rails that he's been put on um, because Styles is – is kind of built as this femme fatale. That's why, like, mm -hmm. it's so kind of jarring because they're in the office and she's kind of like horny on Maine, you know, from the time that they're first talking. She's like, Oh, <laughs> you read books? You know, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, yeah. When you say it like that, I think I, think I do. Um, Tell me about how literate you are. <laughs> yeah. I love editing books, if you know what I mean. I don't. I don't. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, she's kind of got that vibe throughout yeah. for most of the. You know, and 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 when she does finally go, like, I'm gonna put full seduction on. She's also kind of like losing her what little sense of self she has, what little agency she has at the same time, and man, turning she, into a weird. When she flips movie. that switch, she flips that switch. Oh, man. she's gone. <laughs> and I I love the way that she phrases that. I lost myself. I'm losing yeah. myself. I'm losing myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like. I think that I think that one of the you know in that uh, Tyler you had that the really good you know idea of of predetermination being just such a terrifying idea because I'm with you on that just the idea that there are there are schisms in religion based on the idea of whether or not um, our fate is predetermined and and everything's already written that that in itself is terrifying and that that moment after he confronts Sutter Kane and he's holding the manuscript. And Sutter Kane rips himself as the pages mm -hmm. of the book, and he gets to see into the 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 further the the great beyond uh, where the old ones are coming from. That moment's already really scary, uh, but then when Styles starts narrating it as she's reading out of "In the Mouth of Madness," that hits on a really really different terrifying level than so many things because like tyler said well i i guess of course he's looking into that hole and seeing what he's seeing because that's that's what sutter kane wrote 
and you you have you you have those moments where you know if you don't if you if you weren't watching this movie and and at least one time weren't like oh man I'm I I don't know if I'm happy or not that someone wrote into my story that I'm watching this right now right like you it's just it's just like back in uh, ninety nine when everybody left the Matrix for the first time and they're like mm-hmm. shit uh so can, can, what, can i just unplug it right like um, i what yeah. if i am just a brain in a jar you know and <laughs> it, it, you, you have it's that same thing where at, at least in the matrix you know you had the free will to do whatever was confined within the program this this there there's no free will to it you are just making the choices that were made for you and that I, tyler you're right that is really really scary to me the the fact when i if i sit around and i think about everyone who's ever come into or gone out of my life just just being written to be to play that part that's scary and that's the type of thing that you know it's it's funny i when this was over i was like wait is this cosmic horror or is this eldritch horror you know so like and so i'm reading like okay it's just it's both right it's it's all of those things but those moments where you start to wonder, like Dave has said over and over again, are you significant at all? That I think describes the idea of cosmic horror better than pages upon pages could Mm -hmm. is just when you watch something that scares you so bad that you wonder if anything you have done or will do is going to matter to anyone. That's cosmic horror. And and I love it. It's, It's so great. It's a little freeing, right? Yeah. When you learn bit. your insignificance, I think th- like that's what I think is funny. Like Sam Neill or John Carpenter said that uh, Sam Neill played it as a comedy. He thought the script was pretty funny. <laughs> and so I was like, maybe he's just already free. Maybe he's just like, yeah. I already get it, man. Dude, that, that, that always leads to like some that of Jurassic the, Park monkey money. That always leads to some <laughs> of the best like performances, though. Like like Michael Caine approaching Muppet Christmas Carol serious as a car Super ride. Honest. Yeah, you know, he's just like. <laughs> gonna win a BAFTA like that that is how he approached Muppet Christmas Carol and we ended up getting just this amazing movie I didn't know that about Sam Neill's performance but I do kind of love knowing that now that's that's really great and a great segue into uh into our next segment here as we start to talk about Sam Neill um we are going to start to look at our cast of characters in a section that we are calling Dave, that's your cue. I am so sorry. I had maneuvered away from the banner, and here we are. <laughs> We're calling it We're All Monsters Here. And with a, this movie has a lot of people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we're looking at an actual cast that we can, that we can name and that did things, it, it's real slim. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of people there, and yet we keep talking about how engrossing this movie is. So, um, Dave, I, I'm going to throw it over to you first, man. Lots of people to talk about it in Hobbs yeah. End, and uh, and uh, where he started. I mean, who stands out for you? So, I mean, there's obviously Sam Neill, but I'm going to let um, one of you guys take that because there's two other actors that that I'll focus on. Uh, I mean, and this is obviously Sam Neill's movie. Right. Um, the first in uh, the smaller role is David Warner as Dr. Wren, who only appears in the beginning and the end of the movie. But David Warner is one of these guys that when he shows up in a movie, I I watch and, and I listen because he's got this incredible voice and this incredible presence. Um, if you don't know his body of work, 
you gotta you, you gotta look him up and you gotta watch some of his stuff because he is you know obviously in the omen uh but there's there's so much more to him there's tron there's time bandits uh there's titanic and- uh, there's Titanic, of course, and uh, there is uh, this might be sacrilege to say after saying the omen, but my favorite movie that he's in is a it's a little movie called Time After Time. I don't know if anyone has seen this movie, uh, but it is a time travel movie where H.G. Wells travels back in time in the time machine that he wrote about in the time machine, which is a real time machine, because his friend <laughs> it gets a, it gets a little crazy here who is unbeknownst to him jack the ripper uh, <laughs> takes the yes. time machine and travels forward in time to 1970s san francisco oh, wow which is, which is where he goes hg wells goes to hunt him down and it's an incredible sci-fi comedy mystery um and he's incredible in it and 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 that was, that's that that's a lot the, that is a lot yeah did they um, run into the star trek movie that went to san francisco to like save the whales save the whales thing? yeah uh well yeah well here's uh here's the thing is that it's directed by the same guy oh, <laughs> <yes>! <laughs> yeah yeah uh nick nick meyer who directed uh, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek IV, uh, The Journey Home, he directed uh, that same movie, Time After Time. And and so uh, David Warner's one of these guys. The that like, Dude's yeah, got he, a real thing for San Francisco. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, who doesn't? You know, uh, you go to San Francisco, you party a little bit, uh, eat know, some let's, sourdough. Let's uh, let's leave it. Let's leave it at the partying. Um, <laughs> You know, so uh, so D- David Warner, definitely one of those guys. And I love him in this movie. Another guy who's got a more significant role is uh, Jürgen Prochnow, um, who plays Sutter Kane. Uh, you know him from The Seventh Sign, from Judge Dredd, from Das Boot, of course. Yeah. And to keep it horror, he was in a little horror movie called The Keep. Which, uh, to go back to Wolfenstein, is a very Wolfenstein movie without actually being Wolfenstein. Uh, this idea that the Nazis are going to unleash untold terror and horror on the world from what they find in this uh, this this old uh, uh, Prussian castle. Um, so, and, and he just chews up scenery, Jurgen Prochnow, and is just, he's so good as Sutter Kane. He's absolutely believable. Um, there's, there's like, um, there's a stoicism to him, but there's also a uh, pretension to him. I think he's actually pretentious, uh, not in the way that Tyler and I am pretentious. Um, I, 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 th- I think that he's actually pretentious, that he does truly believe that he is like, uh, that he is like Muhammad, that he is being spoken to by the old ones and that they're telling him to do these things. I, I think he believes it. And uh, and I think after watching this movie, I think it might be true. 
So who who knows? Who knows? I don't know, but he sells it so, so well. That moment you first see him, the doors are swinging open, and it's the kid, and the doors swing closed, and they swing open, and it's the kid, and they swing closed, and then, fuck, there he is. And you're like, ah, I know that's the guy. I haven't seen his face before, but that's got to be the guy, right? And then he looks at her, and she goes, yeah, that's the guy. And (laughs) it's it's so perfect. It's magical. Um, He's fantastic. All right, Tyler. I... Well, other than than those figure, I mean, obviously, a lot of the figures in Hobbs in because they are being written, they almost seem like stock horror movie characters. And some of them you have seen, obviously, in other horror movie roles or something that's supernatural, right? But I really the the actor, and I don't know his name. I should look it up. The agent uh, in the scene yeah. at the diner who comes in with the axe, he says, "You know, the do you read Sutter Kane line." Conrad so, Bergschneider. That's his name? <laughs> Conrad Bergschneider. Axe Maniac. That's what he's billed as. Nice. Well, I mean, if you think about it, right? If you think about what he knows and what he's trying to do, he has read the manuscript or as much of it as, as exists at the time. He knows that John Trent is instrumental in bringing about this book coming into – so, like, in my head canon, Sutter Kane – had made a deal with these things to where it's like, we'll give you this little pocket world, Hobbs End, right? And you'll start building stuff out. And if you can have somebody deliver this from the real world, you know, from Hobbs End to the real world, boom, we're in. We got our entry point, right? Um, And so he knows that John Trent is somehow instrumental in this. He's the real protagonist, or would be, because he's lost his mind so bad. He's so off the farm uh, that, you know, he just comes at him with an axe and gets shot and then the, the way he says that do you read Sutter Kane is it's a phrase that comes up a few times in the movie but it's the best version of it and it's so right. uh, it's it's like this litmus test for are you one of us or have you become one of them right um and and that's kind of what he's expressing and I just think it I don't know it's it's so central to um the tone of the movie that without that with that with somebody doing that at a lesser in a in a in a worse way or with less energy or malice or that it, something about the tenor of his voice like I could never get it it's a it's a um a it's not gravelly but it's almost kind of tinnish the way he speaks okay. anyway uh, but he he really stood out to me and and doesn't do a whole lot obviously um, Julie Carmen who plays Styles I haven't seen her in a ton of things other than this um, but she does such a great job with what she has, which is this kind of um, this almost knowing I am playing a stock character. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I am winking. I'm nodding at the camera that, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm some kind of male fantasy of what a book editor would be. Right. right. Like when book editing, I guess was sexy. I don't know when that happened, but it was <laughs> right. It always and was in Hollywood. I right? guess, yeah, that's true. Um, and so, you know, she is this kind of, um, she, I, I think she understands that she's a creation of this, of this guy and, uh, and there to do, and, and, but you know, at some point there's a sense that either she's either play acting that she's trying to, she's either trying to lure John back with a sense of like, oh, please save me. Right. Or that's still part of the performance. Right. Because she seems pretty, when, when she swallows the keys with glee Oh my um, god! But, yeah, and like a lot know, of keys. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of keys. Uh, and she's she's had some she, practice. 
<laughs> very very sensual um but she also is is it's hard to say if she was always on the track of being like the disciple because there's plenty of times when she's the one who's experiencing and, and in some cases alone when he's asleep in the car she experiences one of the scenes that stuck out to me as a kid driving by, past that person on the bike that ages and is kind of terrifying way as she goes through this loop um yeah. and then goes off into the sky and you know sits down and hobs in uh she also kind of notices the the painting and how that's changing and how that represents what's going on around them uh, so she tries almost kind of like uh, if if she's a full creation of Sutter Kane she's almost him trying to play fair like hey I warned you I had this person tell you that this was happening and you ignored her because you wanted your reality so bad you wouldn't see what was going on around you, right? Or she is also being, you know, perverted, changed, uh, and manipulated by, you know, Sutter Kane or the old ones, whoever's ultimately responsible for what's going on. Yeah, um, they're just uh... – a couple, a couple of just small ones that it's just, it was just interesting to see them in something like this for me. It, it, they stood out because uh, they stood out because they were a face that I recognized, but from something very different. Um, starting with uh, Frances Bay, who played Mrs. Pickman, the, the owner yeah. of the hotel. She'll, she'll, she'll always be the, the marble rye lady that, uh, that Jerry yes. Seinfeld snatches yeah. the marble rye you from. You stole right? my marble rye! <laughs> yes. um, so it was just, just kind of cool to see her uh, in something like that. I was texting Dave as I watched it because when the mob shows up for the first time, I'm looking at the guy in front of the mob and I was like, I know this face, I know this face. His name's Wilhelm von Holmberg. And he was Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters too. Yeah, I mean it was Vigo. Just, yeah, exactly. So you like so, the buzzing of flies to Vigo. <laughs> <laughs> and so those are cool. Um, also, this was the film debut of Anakin Skywalker himself, Hayden Christensen as the paper boy, right? So, uh, so those 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 are good. I did really like um, the little bit of um, John Glover that we got. Uh, yeah. you, you may know him as Lionel Luther from Smallville, which is uh, the first place that I put him. Um, is I think of him as Lionel. But he, as, as kind of the, the guy running that asylum, and at the beginning, you know, when he just when he turns up the music and and it's the carpenters and he just cranks it up and all the inmates are singing and and you like you could like you can tell that that's obviously something he does all the time to kind of drown them out and they've just become conditioned. But he has there's so much glee in him to just crank up that carpenters track and and, and he's listen. got that last line of dialogue in the movie. Yes, when he turns and around and he says. Do you read? Do you read? And then, yeah, that's and that was exactly it. He's the last one to say, "Do you read Sutter Kane?" And uh, and he, so he, in his little bit right there, was just great. But you know, going last here, I get to talk about Sam Neill, man. Uh, He, this is a guy who, when I see him, I automatically think of Jurassic Park, as I'm sure so many people do. And yes, Sam Neill has a long and storied career and the guy is an amazing actor, but we get to see so many sides of Sam Neill from the beginning where he's just fighting and freaking out and then trying to apologize and convince everybody that he's not crazy. Then when we see his descent and we're, we're watching as all of these things happen to him and he's so 
and like like Tyler said, to see that he was kind of playing this whole thing as a comedy and, and he was never taking any of it seriously made that all just it was it rang so true because this is a guy whose job it is to bust con men. And he's he's seeing right through all of this because interestingly enough, it's fiction, but it's not fiction, right? It's it's a guy writing a story. And and she even says, You're you're right, but you're wrong. There was a publicity stunt, but this ain't it. Mm-hmm. And but and he's he's seeing right through it because that's exactly who he is. And then we when we we see him kind of just keep delving further and further in until he's he's ready to quit and the look on his face when he's trying to leave Hobbs end and, and he's, and he can't. So he finally, instead of throwing it into reverse, just decides, you know what? Fuck these people. Like I'm done with this. I'm done with this town. I don't know if, if this is real, then they're monsters. If it's not, then it doesn't matter if I kill them. And he just floors it through him. It wasn't a look of maliciousness on his face or even desperation. It was this bizarre moment of acceptance where it was either written to happen that way and he and he was accepting that or it just didn't matter because they really were monsters either way he was going through that and he had accepted finally in that moment that something beyond his understanding was going on once he's appeared back in town for like the third time which is after he's watched styles body twist and contort completely unnaturally mm-hmm. just bizarrely you know very just that that very it was very geiger you know in in the way that she she twisted and moved and so but from that moment from that moment forward the character that sam neil presents to us is one who is hanging on to reality by the thinnest of threadbears this is a guy who's not fully accepting as to what is going on, but he understands that he doesn't understand it. The world suddenly becomes a known unknown for him, which until this point, everything was unknown unknowns. And so it's, it's this weird transition in his character and a real steep dive after that. And we see him interacting with Sutter Kane and he's still a smart ass when they're in the confessional booth and, and he's talking to him there. And then he, he ends up in the weird sanctuary and you're watching him realize that maybe all of this is real. And, and then you get this really great, that, that moment I was talking about when styles reads and you were getting narration and he so perfectly plays. It's like, it's like what I would imagine an actor trying to do in a table read if a narrator were reading what they were supposed to be doing. We get that moment where he's showing us how he's going to experience what the narrator saying. And that's, that's a weird thing I would mm-hmm. think to try to portray because you've got to do it like it's happening to you, but it's being read to you at the same time. Just that whole thing is so strange. And I never didn't believe that that Sam Neill was actually losing his grasp on reality. And then when, you know, he, he chokes out the guy at the hotel and, and it all kind of boils down to him killing a guy with an ax. Yeah. And, and you, and then, and then by the time he gets into the asylum and we end up back there at the beginning, he's calm again and he's good. He's got his black crayon. I'm safe here. (laughs) Right. And we get this, we get this guy who 
has finally accepted his insignificance. And like, like Tyler said, it, it becomes very freeing for him. doesn't matter what he does. This is all happening. Just like Sutter Kane said it was going to happen. Why should he stress if he's safe in here? I mean, why get out there and do all that stuff? Mm -hmm. Because he's finally accepted. And so after seeing all of that, what we get is Sam Neal, calm as a cucumber, just sitting in a padded room with all his crayon all over the place, including his face. And he just finishes telling the story. And he's like, cool. All right. You getting out of here? All right. Well, you know, peace be with you. Like, I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, it's, and we get such a range out of him. And if all you know him from is Jurassic Park, then this is, this is incredible. Cause he's real one note in Jurassic Park. Fantastic movie. Right. Sam notes characters just, you know, he's, he's a scientist. He doesn't believe it. Then he believes it. And then he saves everybody. Right. So yeah. it's, it's, you get a lot of depth to this character out of him, which was, which was really great. And he, he was over the top when he needed to be over the top, subdued when he needed to be subdued, all those things we always talk about, um, making it, uh, making, making a character great. But then the, 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 the piece de resistance, if you will, of him sitting in the movie theater, watching himself and watching all of this play out. And again, having finally accepted his insignificance in the world, he finds it funny. It's mm. all, it's all comedy for him at this point. You know, it's it just none, none, none of it mattered. None of it's going to matter. None of it will again matter. And, and he just, and he sits back and he laughs and it's, it's partly hysterical. It's, it's partly sad. It's, there's there's a lot of emotion wrapped up into that, but he's still shoving popcorn in his face. And <laughs> just yeah. he he did such an amazing job with this. You know, every once in a while you watch a movie and you go, Yeah, they were good, but I mean, so and so might have done it better. I can't think of anybody that I think would have done this better than Sam Neill. And and I would think that would be the highest praise you could give somebody. It, you're a hundred percent right about that. Um, I don't know that anyone else could have done this. There's a um, a staid um, sort of um, stoicism there that he has, where it, like he approaches everything with a sense of calm and cool, the kind of calm and cool that, to take it back again, you find in a lot of these noirs, right? Always played by, uh, you know, like a Humphrey Bogart or a Cary Grant or something like that. Someone who, you know, would sit back and have a cigarette as you told them that you were about to pull their testicles off. And, um, and that's what Sam Neill approaches this role with. But if you are shocked that, uh, you know, Mr. Jurassic Park would be in a movie like this, this is one of these guys. He's like a Tony Collette where uh, it, it, like he is a, one of the unsung heroes, I think, of horror. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the Omen three possession and one of my absolute favorites, Event Horizon, which we will get to at some point. We keep <laughs> saying we're going to get to this one. Yeah. Um, you know, he is one of the. Uh, one of the, the unsung heroes of horror, I think, that leads credence to horror when so often people say, ah, it's just a horror movie. Right. Uh, well, the horror that I think he's playing out here, and that what makes, so you talked about like the, the kind of um, noir character, and that noir character is all this kind of sense that um, everything we were promised, like it's all this post war 
uh, type of literature, right? Mm -hmm. Everything that we were promised was was a lie. Um, purpose is a lie because when you see what happens in the grand theater of war or when heroics happen, people you love just die in gruesome, terrible ways, right? That's that's the, the kind of the thesis there. He reads mm -hmm. to me like an atheist who was shown, like God came to him and says, hey, I'm God, check it out, see what I can do? And he goes, hey, you may be, may not be, you're still a hack. And that's all I got to say to you yeah. about it, right? So... I'll be on my way. He reads very much like throughout this movie, like especially as things do start to dawn on him and he doesn't, there's never like a lot of scenes of him like gibbering, questioning what's going on as, as, as reality or as, I mean, as many times as he says, this is not reality over and over again, as things become like clear, like, well, I can't argue with that. She sure did uh, turn into like a fucking spider woman on the floor there. Um, <laughs> Or, uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure what I saw with uh, Mrs. Pickman over there, I'm pretty sure she's got him, yeah. or she turned into like an, an 18 foot tall, you know, hacking machine. <laughs> that was, um, that was definitely real. Was, I did I, see that. That I is reality. That. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that like, even when he's driving into the crowd, like there's that scene with uh, Vigo, the Carpathian, where he's like, you guys are terrific actors you yeah can, i mean I, like this That's is so scene. real and then dude blows his head off and he's kind of like you can see him like yeah that's pretty that's pretty real like these special yeah. effects are are nuts like he kind of was like okay i mean um that's commitment to the bit and then like when he's driving <laughs> the crowd you can still see him like i'm gonna call your bluff yeah if you are like whatever this is you're gonna move and it's not until he's like for whatever reason he's got a soft spot for styles and he won't run her over i'd have jacked her with my car if i were her. <laughs> him yeah. Um, yeah she had not proven herself to be an honest broker uh, by that point so um but yeah i mean he like you said he's uh he brings this kind of attitude that is um I, I i mean i guess because this is one of the first things i saw him in i mean i've seen him in other things and obviously like merlin i've seen him as you know uh, solomon jurassic park event horizon i mean i'd love to talk about that movie but I mean, he. This is very, to me, this is very iconic Sam Neill in yep. terms of performance. So I don't know who else you could have do that. Right. A Sam Neill type. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and this leaves us with, um, I think one one person who we touched on slightly, and we've we've kind of like skirted around a little bit here and there, um, but Sutter Kane as uh, the writer's writer. Right. The the kind of person that um, puts uh, what, what was the the, the phrase uh, Stephen King, he outsells all of them. Right. Right. Um, this is a very different kind of horror villain than we are used to, because his um, his weapon is not uh, a machete. His weapon is not uh, you know a spiked glove. His weapon is a typewriter, and that is interesting as all hell. So um, before we move on to Apocalypse Ability, which we've done for every single one of these uh, Apocalypse Trilogy movies, uh, is there anything that we want to say specifically about Sutter Kane and this brand of, of horror villain? 
Uh, and I, I've been throwing it to you, Tyler. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to uh, to Daniel first for this one. Uh, just and just real quick before we move on too far from Event Horizon, we've got unknown 25 mils. Is Event Horizon? You mean the prequel to the Warhammer 40k <laughs> universe? Uh, it's great. Here for it. Um, let's go. <laughs> so what makes Sutter Kane so interesting and sets him apart is there are so many horror movies that are premised on somebody who thinks that they're God, uh, somebody who thinks that they're a God. Um, Sutter Kane fancies himself the God. You know, he, he is, he is the God there. There are none like him. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, he is in, in the reality that, that we come to accept as in the mouth of madness, starring John Trent, he is God. Um, everything that he writes happens. Every intricate and bizarre plan that he lays comes to fruition. Uh, you know, we, uh, it, it, it always one time on, uh, on geek more, we did like best, uh, we did best video game villains. And I was at odds with myself, um, because I'm a big final fantasy nerd. And, you know, I was like, okay, I'm only going to do one Final Fantasy on there. Am I going to do Kefka? Am I going to do Sephiroth? Went with Kefka. Why? Because Kefka did actually successfully end the world. He, he, he did in Final Fantasy VI. That's what Sutter Kane does here. You know, we can look at the thing and maybe, maybe mm -hmm. the world ends after the thing. We can look at the, the tachyon burst going back in time in Prince of Darkness, and it's still happening at the end. So maybe the world is still going to end like this. But Sutter Kane does end the world. Sutter, mm -hmm. there's, there, there's, 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 there's no question to it. We see the apocalypse that Sutter Kane creates. This man doesn't just fancy himself a god. In the world of In the Mouth of Madness, he has been given these god powers to his, his will be done. And it, whether or not it's his will or the, the old one's will, but, but you know, his, his writing be done, his word be done. So, so say it's Sutter Kane. So say we all. Right. And that's something that is, that could be done very, very hacky. And it could be done in a way where the guy is not terrifying at all, but a man who is so calm in his, what appears to be insanity, but as we as we see it play out, is 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 his reality, his his confidence in his ability to do that, and then eventually finding out that he can make Sutter Kane a very very scary person. Um, I think you both hit on some really. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, Tyler, go ahead. You're you're up. <laughs> well, I like that you presuppose that I was going to have a good point. Uh, yeah, a lot better. <laughs> Well, I, I think I think what's yeah. interesting about Sutter Kane is that um, he says at one point that the more that people read, the more they believe, and the more that they believe, the more power this work has. All right, so this is a very kind of like this comes up in um, a lot of horror story or or kind of like uh, macro mythological stories like American Gods. You know, belief yeah. creates certain things about reality. Fables. Chaos magic fables yeah so um he is kind of buoyed or bolstered by like these market forces or capitalism right so he goes and he the first time they saw like a bunch of people like 
I don't know, fans of the book going and splitting people's heads open or eating their mom and daddies. Maybe they should have pulled some of this stuff off the shelves if it's to the degree that people are talking about. Like, people are losing their minds. Now, like, if you go like, well, it's just a bunch of marketing, you know, it's just BS. It's just fluff. It's there to, you know, make this sell more copies. But if they had, like, real data that goes like, yeah, real fans of this book are losing their shit. And uh, <laughs> it's pretty rough. Like, maybe we should tone it down a little bit. But nobody's like, you know, not Charlton Heston. He's not acting or Arcane. No one in Arcane is being a responsible broker and being like, yeah, uh, maybe we should, uh, you know, lighten this up a little bit. Um, and so I think that's an interesting little through line. You know, like there were opportunities for people to kind of shut this down before it turned into the mass global. Uh, it's already been translated in 18 languages. That's not that many languages, but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, <laughs> It's still a it's still a, a global experience of of madness um, that is transferred through these books, and I think that makes him. But I think his calm assuredness is the is the kind of same calm assuredness of any of any true believer. He's a true believer. He doesn't. Yeah. He's not. He's not uh, froth in the mouth. He 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 knows the capital T truth. And yeah. The capital T, T truth came from these things that were kind of buried in this in this church that wasn't there until I got here because it was a little church. And then when I got here, it turned into this big, cool black church. Right. Um, and now they're talking to me through the door, right. Uh, waiting to get out. Right. Uh, so I think that kind of that sinister level of like, he doesn't even think of himself as evil. This is just what it is mm -hmm. to argue with. This is you are evil because you are arguing with, with reality with reality and yeah. i have made it so it, you're welcome it's, right that's kind of i think that that's what makes him such a scary figure it's the other side of the ozymandias from watchman coin where he's he's done the math this is how it works this is how you reach world peace i'm not a villain i'm i'm the hero yeah. because i'm the one who's going to make this all work the way it's supposed to work and so you know like tyler was saying these people going crazy there's there's a great line and it's from one of the news broadcasts at the very beginning. And they just say, when does literature become religion? Which is, which is a fascinating take on really any religion because they almost all start with, so I was talking to this guy and he said that God told him to tell me this. I had to write it down, you know, unless you're, unless you're a Mormon, then it's, I was digging in the woods and I found these old discs. <laughs> Luckily I had my magic glasses on me at the time. Now, listen, we throw a lot of jabs here, but you leave the Mormons alone. I'm a, I wish you... I had magic glasses. And magic underwear. Uh, <laughs> look, that, that's exactly the point that I was going to get at, which is that, and this is going to piss a lot of people off, um, but um, I had a little bit to drink tonight. <laughs> and, uh, and, I'll, and I'll have a little more later. So... Um, so I don't care. Um, there is no difference when you look at it coldly and logically. There is no difference between Sutter Kane and Moses. There's no difference between Sutter Kane and Jesus. There's no difference between Sutter Kane and Muhammad. Uh, it is the person who is bringing the new gospel the new testament from above to you and and um 
I have always thought of this as the most impossible of all apocalypse scenarios in this trilogy. Um, I don't know that that's the case because if you consider the amount of uh, gore and viscera that those three prophets have wrought on this earth with war. Right. I mean, we're destroying ourselves over interpretations of things, forces that we can't see, that we can't prove. And, and that's one of the things that Trent says at the end of the movie, uh, to uh, to Dr. Wren, he says um, a species can always smell its extinction. Yeah, um, that's exactly what this is. We are destroying ourselves. Um, Tyler, you mentioned something earlier where it's like, you know, people are mutating and turning into these things. Um, are we turning ourselves into these monsters or is it some sort of higher power that's doing it? Um the the really sad thing about that is that it doesn't matter because whether we're doing it to ourselves or it's being done to us it's happening and we seem powerless to stop it because either we're written that way and someone like Sutter Kane is saying well it is because I say it is because they say it is or we're simply not strong enough to stop it. It's like watching someone in the you know line of, uh, of a car and you want to say, sir, move. Uh, you're about to get hit by a car. But all that comes out is. Uh, <laughs> and, 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 and it happens every yeah. single time. Right. Um we see videos on on like Facebook and YouTube and stuff. I, I say Facebook because I'm an old dude, right? Um, and uh, of like dads doing these amazing things, like right as their kids are about to fall, like they're in the kitchen, they're cooking, and then the kid like falls off the stairs and they just catch him and bring him down here, right? For every one video like that, there's like a hundred thousand instances where the kid just right and you see it happen you're like oh no someone should do something <laughs> and you're powerless you're powerless to do anything about it and and that's the really scary thing about Sutter Kane that's the really scary thing about this reality the shared reality is that we are more often than not powerless to change uh, our fate, even if there is no fate, even if it is not written in some book somewhere. I hate the phrase God's plan. That was part of God's plan, right? I hate that phrase. But even if there is a plan, Sutter Kane's plan, God's plan, whosoever's plan, we can't do anything. And if there is free will and I have the power to change it, no, the fuck I don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, have you ever thought about like, you ever noticed some thing that catches on in a big way, a song that everybody goes, oh, you got to admit it's catchy or yeah. um, a movie that everybody's like, like, oh, this, you got, you, don't, I'm not even gonna tell you what it's about. You just gotta have to see for yourself. And like, it, it kind of takes on this life of its own and you watch mm -hmm. it and you go like, yeah, I don't, I didn't, 
I get it. Didn't enjoy it. Didn't think much of it. Right. Like we talked about one of these off air. Barbarian. Um, yeah. I'm barbarian. just going to go out and say it. <laughs> okay. Barbarian. I don't want to get anybody in trouble. Uh, anyway, I didn't know we don't have that barbarian money. coming in. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah there goes that check. That, it's not coming very, in Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very shallow uh, analogy for what I'm getting at, which is that sometimes like the zeitgeist hits a tipping point with things where you go like, yeah, I don't know. There's a way to pull this back. Like mm-hmm. once we all go, like once we all become super cynical about, um, none of us trust the government or none of us trust each other or none of us trust science or none of us trust. Like once that happens, it's hard to pull it back in. It's hard to regain your innocence or, or tip things back over to balance. And I think there's something in that as well of why this is so scary. Like once this kind of hits the tipping point, like if there was a chance to stop it, it's gone. Like, right. So for Gen- you know, genies out of the bottle. Yeah. Yeah. And unless so, you're Solomon, you're not putting it back in. <laughs> so as we talk about the fact that we're rich, we're reaching a tipping point, you know, and so we've got to look at the fact that just like the other two movies that we've done here, this is an end of world scenario. So in a section that we've been calling apocalypse ability, I want to know, and this is, this is the time when we, when we can't compare it to the others, because that, that's what we're doing here. How does this stack up for you as an end of world scenario? We've looked at all three now. I mean, is is this the most bleak kind of where do you uh rank it, Dave? Um yes. It is <laughs> I, I think I I think it is the most bleak of all these uh scenarios. Um it's also the one that um I think on a personal level scares me the most um it's it's the one that like if if i had to choose one from all three of them like which one would you want to live through um it's weird to say but i think i'd rather live through the thing okay than 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 the others um because with prince of darkness you know that something is going to happen and and that and that it's coming that there's there's a point in time and once that comes it's like there it is and we changed it, but we don't know how we changed it, right? There's a little bit of that, like, Terminator and Terminator 2 bit there. It's like, you know, uh, there's no fate but what we make for ourselves, you know, and you can only postpone Judgment Day. Uh, but what actually is going to happen? We don't know. We don't know what's going to happen between, you know, here and then. We know that we stopped it right now. Um, with the thing, um, like, at least once you're gone, you're gone. Fair. You know, Um and uh, it doesn't take very long for the world to end. Um, it sucks. It's awful. It's terrible. It's probably I don't know. But um, <laughs> but this man, I to be one of the people who knows the truth. Right. Because those that don't know what's going on and think it's just like mass hysteria, like that's scary. That's really scary. But it's not as scary as knowing the truth of what's going on and being someone who has tried to stop it like Trent and then realizing like, wow, I can't stop it. I can't do anything um, because in the grand scheme of things, I, I don't matter. And, and, <laughs> and you didn't matter and none of this mattered. And, and s- somehow, you know, it, it, it's like cabin in the woods, yeah. you know, uh, the end of cabin in the woods, I think is that's, that's another Lovecraftian movie without being a Lovecraftian movie, because at the very end, when, when it's like, Hey, yeah, we stopped the bad guys. And then it's like this giant fucking hand that just comes out. 
splats you and you're like, oh, well, I, I guess it's all over now. Um, you know, that's that's something you got to try to live with that you tried and failed, uh, but you knew but you knew. And that's that's awful. That's terrible. Um, you know, I, I, I always tell my wife, if you ever cheat on me, don't tell me. You know, just don't, don't tell me because I'd rather not know, because when you know the truth, that's when pain and suffering starts. So, um, so, you know, uh, cheat on me and don't tell me, you know, <laughs> uh, or, or don't, you know, at I mean, all, if that's the only nice. option. I yeah. mean, if the only options are tell me or don't tell me. <laughs> right. I just, exactly. I, I, I love that. I love that every single segment, Dave's final statement has been like, you know, but it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, yeah. it's like, it just so perfectly sums all this up. All right. What about apocalypse yeah. ability for you, Tyler? Well, I so I, I will once again, I'll come back and I've read a synopsis of Prince of Darkness. I haven't watched it. I need to I was going to rent it the other day and I haven't gotten around to it. Um, so I can't compare it to that. I would say I mean, I think everything Dave has, has said is spot on. The one thing I wonder about an apocalypse, an apocalypse. Is always relative, right? So when Columbus showed up um, in the new world, that was an apocalypse for the people that live there and for Europeans, it was like sweet, right? Right. Gold treasure hunt. Um, so it's it's a matter of perspective, right? So in the thing and free uh, labor. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Um <laughs> the uh the thing, right? So we don't know much about, you know, that alien race. We don't know what their aims or goals were. They were pretty much like they were in a in a bad spot, right? And they were just like we we want to get out of here, and we're gonna tra- change into you, and we'll act na- act natural, everybody. All right, we're out. Oh no, we're not. Fuck, we're stuck. And that guy's got a flamethrower or whatever, right? Um, so, <laughs> but we don't know what they would end up doing, you know, given the planet and what that means. It means probably bad things for us. We'd assume. Right. Um, the same thing, you know. I'm assuming if if you know anti Jesus or the the devil and anti God hang out and that folds reality inside out that's probably bad for everybody um i yeah i think this is pretty bad for uh for us right you're if you stay sane you probably are going to live through watching people you care about get hacked up or swallowed by some monster or your like even just the minor things like like it doesn't even really focus all that long but like hobbs in acts as a portent for everything that's going to happen in the real world i assume right so the kids what are they going to do they're going to try to eat mommy and daddy yeah right and 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 how many movies are scary enough on their own but just the idea that like ah my kids might come in and try to uh kill me in my sleep because something has gone like sinister is scary enough on its own on that premise alone yes. right so it's like ah we just threw that in as an aside that's gonna happen <laughs> oh also uh you're gonna turn like some weird like fish troll thing maybe um and or like your wife is um you know she looks like a sweet lady she's really like this terrible homicidal killer and also got bunches of arms like all of that stuff like on its own holds up a lot of scary stuff and then it's like well it's all kind of happened simultaneously because um not only am i not gonna in reality right i'm gonna end it as you know it it's gonna be terrible what i give you is gonna be shitty it's almost like a punishment you know so uh in terms of apocalypses that's pretty pretty bad uh you're probably just better off like you know making like a vigo and yeah blowing your brains out so uh you know, it, the whole time I was watching this movie and I was I was running through that apocalypse ability scale in my head and I kept thinking, well, at least with this one, you're going to reach a point where you where you, you, you have a chance to fight back. 
Uh, and, and that was something that, you know, was was tough to think about with the thing. Uh, with Prince of Darkness, they did successfully temporarily fight back. Um, and so, but with this one, it was like, okay, so you know that, that you just you just don't read or watch in the mouth of madness and and then you 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 hide out in the woods, right? Or whatever. And so it's like, well, so maybe this one's so, so I, I sorry, this is my exact thought. I was like, so maybe this one's not that bad, right? Like I just gotta just gotta hunker down, not not watch this movie, not read this book, and I'll be all right. I love that term hunker down. <laughs> and then but what are you supposed to read? What are you yeah. supposed to do when you're hunkering down? You've got in the mouth of madness right yeah, there. It becomes hard. ubiquitous. They start putting it on TBS at three in the afternoon. You didn't even know what you were doing. <laughs> well, and so but then but then but then I had two other realizations. One I am a almost 40 year old man with next to no survival skills. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I love a good zombie apocalypse scenario. Ain't going to make it that far, fellas. I got nothing for you. I've shot a gun like three times in my life. I don't know how to tie a hook onto a fishing line. I don't know what to do with an animal were I to kill it and need to eat it. I don't have survival skills. So hunker down, not really an option unless I stumble across some sort of bomb shelter that somebody else has stocked up for me. Twinkie factory. <laughs> the other one being I'm such uh, I'm such a like a, a, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by the idea of any sort of pop culture phenomenon. This is the reason I've read 50 shades of gray, not all three of them, but I did read the first one because it's all anybody was talking about. So I had to experience it. So I know for a fact that I am lying to myself. If everybody was like, man, if you read this book, you'll go crazy in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm also just so hard headed a bit. Yeah. Fuck that. I'll read that book. I'll sh I'll show them. That's me. Those would be my final words as I picked up in the mouth. Yeah, I've, I've read that creepy pasta before. Don't worry. Yeah, let me exactly. see. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, that would. Those would be my final words. I'll show them, <laughs> and and I'd read it because I'm an idiot and because I'm hard headed, and so is this one scary? Yeah, because it's it, it's unavoidable for me. There's 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 no way I get around this one uh, for for and I mean and yes obviously all the things that you guys said are the very serious reasons why this one's the scariest but it was so funny because while I was watching I was like ah, I'm still gonna stick with the thing is the scariest but it's not it's this one it's the idea of 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 everything being uprooted just that quickly and whereas with the thing you don't know who you can trust um, and so you stop trusting anyone with this one you just know not to trust anyone and you're just kind of left to either die alone or face a horrible fate because let's face it none of these people just none of these people died you know uh, quick and clean deaths uh from from what we saw it, it was it was all just just the brutality of uh, of man at its at its most primal and so i do think that this is that this is definitely the bleakest and probably the scariest of the ideas. And I think that was the perfect reason to save it for the third one. There you go. And that leaves us with only one thing left to do, which is to rate this movie. And as we do with uh, all movies, um, we only rate a movie against itself. We don't, pit movies head to head even though we've looked at the entire apocalypse trilogy as a trilogy uh we kind of just compared here in apocalypse ability we're not rating the movies against each other 
So uh, we're also not rating this against anything else. So we're not rating this against, um, I don't know, double indemnity. We've talked about a lot of noirs. We're not doing that. All right. Um, Thank God. I've never seen that one. Oh, man. You got to watch double indemnity. That's a good one, dude. <laughs> Um, you know, if it's black and white, I seen it and, and I, I pray at its altar, but, um, not all of them. They're not all good, but a lot of them are, um, <laughs> anyway. Um, so we use unique rating systems. Uh, those of you that have tuned in before, you know, this, those of you that haven't, we use unique rating systems. And whenever we have a guest on like our esteemed guest, Tyler, we, uh, we usually default to their expertise here. So, uh, Tyler, do you have a metric for our rating system? I mold this over, and I think the best one for this movie is hacked up, handcuffed husbands. So, yes! does it have five hacked up, handcuffed husbands out of five? What Stanley level alliteration? <laughs> Excel <That's> glorious. <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you, sir. Um, so, Tyler, out of a possible five. Hacked up, handcuffed husbands. How many hacked up, handcuffed husbands do you give? Well, um, you know, so we were doing it out of five, right? But uh, I got this precedent from y'all in the thing, or like Dave Meltzer, if y'all, if you watch wrestling, yes, he was like, oh, it's five stars. That's seven stars because it's Kenny Omega in the Tokyo. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I I feel I this is such a there have been some really great cosmic horror movies that have come out in the last uh, 10 years. I'm thinking like The Void and The Endless and uh, Color Out of Space, things oh, like that. What a right? great movie. Yes. It's fucking great. Um, but for a while there, right, it, it stood alone. And um, when you think about the, the special effects, a lot of the practical effects still hold up. Some of it looks a little – some of it doesn't age as well, right? But – um, I think if if somebody was saying I want to, I find um, I find Lovecraft to be dense and baroque, but I like the ideas there. I want to I want to see this kind of fiction. I would show them this movie and I would show it to them, you know, first. Be like, this is seminal. You got to see it. And for that basis, I'm going to say it's got six hacked up, handcuffed husbands out of five. You're giving it the gold star. Gold I think it's Venerable gold star. Oh. Nice, nice. Okay, so Daniel, how many hacked up, handcuffed husbands do you give it? I mean, for for all of the reasons that we've talked about and for, for how great this movie is and how weird my head felt afterwards, which is always a big part of how I put my rating into play is the headspace that I'm in when a movie first ends. And the, the headspace that I was in last night when I finished this movie was, I, it was, it was, it was a void. It was, I didn't, I didn't know anything. And yet simultaneously I knew it all. I knew everything that had happened, but I couldn't place any of it. We, this we we've we've often talked about the dreamlike quality of certain things and and when it was all over this movie is a fever dream this movie is bizarre and it's scary and there's just enough gore there's an amazing villain there's an amazing lead performance uh this this is one where i just i loved this i i cannot wait to watch this again 
uh, without waiting another 20 years hmm. and seeing where I can kind of place it um, in, in a greater pantheon of things. And so while I'm not going to, I'm not going to gold star it. I am going to say, man, for, for everything that this movie was supposed to be, had the potential to be and is, this is five handcuffed, hacked up husbands. It's just incredible for everything that it's supposed to be. This is that movie. Um, I like that. I like that. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to join Tyler. At wow. the, uh, at, at the six hacked up handcuffed husbands. Um, Every time, and, and this is something I said to you, Daniel, uh, when you started uh, texting me that you'd started watching the movie and you, you made a comment. I can't remember what the comment was. And um, and I said, I always forget how much I love this movie. It's it's one of those movies where I've seen it a handful of times now. And every time I watch it, I remember. Fuck, this is such a good movie. Uh, and 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 it's one of those things that that feeling never leaves. So when someone brings up in the mouth of madness, or when someone says, "Hey, what's a what's a cool?" I've seen a lot of the 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 standards. What's a cool one that I might want to watch? Um, it's not that I don't bring it up, but I don't think I bring it up enough because as time passes, because I've kind of locked this movie in a headspace where it exists. It exists alongside Prince of Darkness and the thing. The thing is so ubiquitous that I often end up defaulting to the thing. But when I've seen them back to back now, um, and I've done this before, and the last time I did it, I thought the same thing. This is my favorite in the trilogy. It's it's the one that speaks to me on the most personal level. It's the one that scares me on the most personal level. This is a movie that was made for me, which is really scary when you start thinking that there's a lot of like metafictional stuff yeah. in here. Right. Uh, so like did Sutter Kane write the movie for me? No, not any more than he wrote it for Tyler, that he wrote it for Daniel or that he wrote it for you, the listener, but it's a terrifying thought to have. And that's one of those, one of those things that, really sticks with you and that's one of the things i love about this movie is that you don't even begin to really process this movie until well after it's over which means that the processing period is nice and long you keep thinking about this well after it's over um there's there's certain movies that are like that that they just make you think whether it's about the movie or about the themes or about nothing at all or everything at all and this is one of those movies. And and uh, as I am a pretentious bastard who likens himself to a smart man, I like to think that that's my kind of movie, the kind of movie that's going to make me think because, yeah, I'm a smart guy and I like to use my brain muscles. But in the end, it's just a good fucking movie. Yeah. And, and, and for that, it's, it's going to get the gold star. And if I mathed correctly, which I probably didn't, uh, and Daniel, you can uh, you can verify here. That's uh, that's five point six. That's five point six. Which, which repeating. rounds up to a perfect six. Boom! We did it, Tyler. You we did got it. it. All right. Uh, that is six 
hacked up, handcuffed husbands, and I didn't fuck that up once. Nice. And I'm proud really, of you. I'm really, pr- I'm proud of myself. You should be. Well, <laughs> uh, so there we go. There you have it. I mean, this, this one, this one's another certified, certified gold star. I, I mean, the, 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 uh, the trilogy as a whole at this point basically is right. Cause that's two sixes and a five. Yeah. And so that, that math works out exactly like this one did. So as far as trilogies go, can't recommend this one enough. Uh, Tyler, thank you, man. You have been incredible. This Thanks has so been much. awesome. We really appreciate you. Tell everybody where they can go about watching y'all and your friends play. So tomorrow you'll get to watch my friends, Daniel and David and Nick and Ooh. Andy and hunger and Seth, uh, what a real hoot having everybody over was um, play blood on the clock tower. It's where we'll be playing tomorrow. Um, it's going to be, you can see us at twitch.tv slash off meta. You can see us at YouTube, youtube.com slash off meta plays. Um, and we got some other assorted things. You can tweet at us if you're into that, you know, but you don't have to, it just, you know, it's one of those things. Like if you like wake up in the middle of the night, and you go, I got to tell these assholes something. Twitter's a good place to do that. Yeah. It's, we'll get paid basically all it's for anymore. So it's a wasteland. It is. It. Oh, it's, it's it's toxic. But yes. Um. And so if you if you are watching us live, it'll be tomorrow night. If you're listening now, go check. If you're listening when this drops in a week, make sure you go and check out Todd. We had a lot of fun. We look forward to coming back. Um. We look forward to having you back, man. Uh, I I think you were incredible. You did a great job. A lot of really good insight. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. And uh, to everybody who's stuck with us, I mean, we according to my watch counter up here, we've we've had a couple people who have hung in there for the whole uh 99 yeah. minutes 100 minutes at this point so much longer you. than we normally go so this, yeah. this is nice to be able to really sit and oh, digest no. this. It, it was good this is another one where we didn't just sit around and talk about oh that that moment was cool or this kill was cool i mean there was we some didn't great even talk about the soundtrack i know yeah i, I, I even was like it was like one of the first notes i made i was like it's not just carpenter weird music like there's a soundtrack <laughs> here um but yeah just uh, so much incredibleness. So it's everybody who watches all the time and listens all the time. Thank you. If you are new, make sure you head to shiverpod.com where you can find links to all of our social media pages. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all at shiverpod. So make sure you head there and check that out. If you think that our logo right up here in the corner is cool, if you had to T public and you look for what's up, bro, you can order stuff with that logo on it and keep it on our social media because hopefully we've got a merch drop coming soon. Yeah, we do. And uh, keep tuning into our social media because we got some cool stuff planned uh, for next month as well. So that that'll be that'll be very cool. Uh, so, Tyler, thank you so very much. You are nice. the man, as uh, is the the youths say. I don't, um, I don't think they say that anymore. Uh, they did back when I was a youth. <laughs> and uh, that's that's how I like to keep it. Uh, <laughs> so on behalf of all of us. Here at Shiver, fright you very much.